7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London Town. New South Wales, it is 12 midnight. And in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Mm. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi, hello. Nice to see you. Uh, goodbye, real world. Goodbye, real world. <laughs> Flaming in the chat here over on uh, twitch.tv. Thanks, by the way, to streambeats.com um, for all their wonderful music they supply for the program. It's copyright free music available to all streamers, wherever you may be. We are live on Facebook Live. The page is called I'm Not Wearing Pants. Uh, YouTube, Jay Sheldon's YouTube channel, and also, of course, twitch.tv slash Jay Sheldon No Pants, where you can also pick up some fabulous merchandise, hoodies, t-shirts, mouse pads, uh, I forget what else, check it out, merch, uh, Jay Sheldon No Pants on twitch.tv, in the about section, you'll see the thing there, uh, it's there, trust me, um, and uh yeah good to see you tonight it is a uh what is it tuesday yeah our first uh, stream of the week we do saturdays tuesdays and thursdays and uh this is the tuesday edition it may be a little short tonight maybe not but maybe a little short tonight uh, the main reason is i have a very sick doggy uh miko is not feeling very well and i think it's because of something she ate last night she hasn't eaten all day. She has had basically, uh, when she goes to the bathroom, it's like turning on a faucet, if you know what I mean. I know that's kind of gross, but we're all adults here. So, yeah, she's laying down in the other room, and she's not feeling so well. So we wish her a speedy recovery. I'm sure she will be fine. But uh, for now, she just needs some some TLC, so we'll be giving her that. Also, of course, coming up at the end of the stream, we'll be reading Chapter 2, The Shadow, in uh, our book, Peter Pan. That will be, that'll be coming up. I do have some fascinating things to share with you uh, tonight, and um, just wanted to give you an update on my day. Most of it spent working from home and playing nursemaid to a very sick dog, so... That was my that was my thrilling day today, but eh, it's all worth it. That's okay. Today is the first day. It is a festival day in so many different faiths and religions and beliefs. Uh, the big one here in Malaysia, of course, is that it is the start of the holy month of Ramadan and uh, the uh, fasting. Misha, demigod of, a, of discordance. I.O. Sheldon, you're back. Nice to see you. Nice to have you back. I hope everything's going well there. Um, so anyway, today is the beginning of Ramadan. The uh, For uh, Muslims, the uh, holy month of Ramadan begins. So they are fasting from sunup until sundown, at which point here in Malaysia, we call it buka puasa, which is breaking fast. Puasa is fast. Buka is break, break fast. And uh, that happens at sundown. This will go on for, mm, I think it's about 28 days until the next moon. And then, of course, the last day of uh, Ramadan and Hari Raya. So that is uh, if a little background for you if you're not familiar with the Ramadan month and Raya, Hari Raya. Um, I've been back for some time, but merely just missed the pod stream <laughs> that's all right we'll give you a round of applause anyway everybody gets applause on this show why not um did i tell you i'm jay sheldon and i'm not wearing pants i usually do that in the beginning well if i didn't there i did it and if i did i did it twice so sue me um all right so then it's this is not the only part of what today begins uh it is really a festive day uh, in a lot of faiths and religion. It is the Tamil New Year. Uh, I'm not going to say this right. Filava? Filava, maybe, I think it's called. Happy Filava. Uh, Telugu New Year. So, happy Ugadhi 
Subakanchulu. Subakanchulu. I probably mucked that one up too. And uh, the Sikh Harvest Festival takes place today for people of the Sikh faith. A happy Vaisakhi. Vaisakhi, I believe is how you say it. And last but not least, this is the beginning of Songkran in Thailand. The Buddhist Songkran Festival. Not just Thailand, but it's huge in Thailand, of course. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, it's it's known as the water festival. It It is not all about spraying people with squirt guns, although it's turned into that. It's actually a very beautiful Buddhist uh, ceremony of, if I, I may get this wrong, something about like the, the, the kids washing the feet of the parents or something like that, or, or blessing on their hands with water. something to do with water. And um, look it up. Check it out, because the actual original celebration of Songkran is a very beautiful Buddhist holiday, and it begins today, it is today in uh, in Thailand, and Buddhist, uh, Theravada Buddhism, I believe, across across the world. So, and uh, one more, it's the Sindhi New Year, Chechichand Festival. Look at that. Ramadan, Filava, Ugadi Subakanchulu, Vaisaki, Songkran in Chetijan. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, uh, oh, there's a little explanation at least for uh, Vaisakhi, the Sikh New Year Festival. One of the most important dates in the Sikh calendar. It marks the start of the uh, Punjabi New Year. Also a day to celebrate 1699 the year when Sikhism was born as a collective faith. See, we are so full of fascinating information here. We'll edumacate you one way or the other. All right, let's get caught up on some chat here. Uh, basically, my tw I want my, uh, basically my, I won my 20 back with 15 more dollars during my time in Vegas. Excellent! That's right. I forgot, Misha, you went to, uh, you went to Vegas and uh, I... I hope you found the Brian Christopher slot section at the, I forget what casino it is, but um, Mohanad is all, hey, Mohanad, you are also back. A big round of applause for Mohanad. Yay. Got to go fast. What I'm doing now, I'm fasting. Are you still fasting? Is it still sun daylight hours there? Uh, realize now I wish I had, why well, I had to leave the day of the wedding. If I wasn't leaving the next day like everyone else, the cars couldn't hold everyone. <laughs> All right, Mohanad, good day to you. Uh, let's see, Misha, doing good, playing some Project X Cross, as the game calls it, uh, Zone 2. Well, good luck with that. Uh, oh, didn't go out a lot. Oh, that sucks. How can you be in Vegas and not gamble? I would go through such bad withdrawal. Um... Saw you in the Red Dot Wrestling Show from Sam C. Oh, no. Oh, that was horrible. Sam C. was a gracious host and very patient with me, but that was absolutely embarrassing. Uh, that's uh, G. Judicator. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for checking that out. <laughs> uh, most of my time spent shopping with my fams at the Strip before getting ready for the wedding the next day. Only gamble at night by myself at Southport. Everyone just getting there during uh, midnight time. And um, Mohanad says, great to have a break from all the craziness that happened in the past few weeks. Wow. See, everybody's got stuff going on. It's amazing how uh, how busy everybody everybody gets. Crazy, crazy. Okay, more coffee time. Yes, okay. I need that to keep going because I have been going full bore since I woke up and I woke up at like five o'clock this morning. Uh, I didn't get my usual afternoon nap. You know, we old men have to have naps. We boomers like naps. Just a short one. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
fun to watch. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I'm glad we were able to entertain you uh, talking about the Mr. Sam C's uh, stream there. Uh, Cousin's baby was born two days ago. Fantastic. This is great. We're catching up. This is so cool. We didn't expect it to happen so soon, uh, Misha says. Or at least uh, for those who wanted to bet on when the date would happen. Man, you are a gambling gang. <laughs> Took part in a latter installment of his show and I won. Hey, congratulations for that. All right. <laughs> wow. All right, so we got to get into some of these review things. Uh, some good, some stupid, as usual. We've got just a, a mishmash of collective crap here. Oh, my, that didn't work out well, did it? Okay, I think I need to do a, a, a little quick edit. But I love this. I absolutely love this. It's so cool. This, I saw this. Uh, my friend Judy posted this. The official sports drink when I was a kid. That was it. That was absolutely it. Drinking out of a green garden hose. And you know what? If you've ever done this, you'll know what I mean. You can taste it. Now, first of all, when I lived in Cornwall, Connecticut, our water came right out of the ground. Fresh spring water pumped right out of the ground. And if you've never had water like that, you don't know what you're missing. It's the best thing since sliced bread. And it's, well, it's the best thing since water. Uh, but when you drink it out of a green garden hose, makes all the difference in the world. It really does. All right, what else have we got? Oh, I loved this. I saw this earlier t uh, today, and I had to share it with you guys. Listen to this. Listen, listen, listen. Courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. Stupidity is the same thing. And that's why life is hard. <laughs> How true is that, though? Courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. And stupidity is exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. Hey, Penny Martorell. Oh, my God, Penny. Wow, what a blast from the past. We were just talking about Cornwall, and there you pop in. Penny Martorell, her sister Cindy, the whole Martorell family, just the most wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, Penny was a bit younger than, than myself. Uh, Cindy, her sister, a bit older. Cindy and I sang. I played piano and sang, and Cindy sang. She had a remarkable voice. I will never forget her in Hello, Dolly at the Housatonic Valley Regional High School. She was absolutely Broadway remarkable. And uh, Penny, oh man, so amazing. Um, water in Cornwall was the best. You are exactly right. Water in Cornwall. Yes. Yes. It is amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Cannot beat it. It's, you know what? I can't even describe what it's like but you're right penny and thank you so much for for uh tuning in that is so cool it's so great to uh, to see you or to hear from you <laughs> anyway um and tastes even better with grass yeah you're you're probably right <laughs> oh man penny is joining us over there on facebook live the i'm not wearing pants page <clears throat> excuse me so yeah from like what a uh, 50 maybe more than 50 years ago, at least 50 years ago. This old man is uh, the same weirdo after all these, uh, after all these years. <laughs> so are you always keeping us entertained? Oh man. All right. Um, a couple of other things I got to share with you. They're, they're weird and quick and I don't know. I, I saw this today. I think Darren, uh, my friend Darren posted this. He joins us in on the stream sometimes but um, this is great. We, we all, sadly, we live in a culture today where everyone feels the need to apologize for everything. Sorry if I offended you. Sorry if I said that. Sorry if I did this. Sorry that I posted that. Sorry that I posted this. It just gets so tiring after a while. I love this. Things, you can't quite see the top of this, but it says things I'm no longer apologizing for my feelings 
having firm boundaries. And you know what? This applies if, if you are a liberal, God bless you. If you're a conservative, God bless you. If you're somewhere in between or a mixture of all two, whatever. These things should apply. Having firm boundaries. Saying no to something that I'm not interested in doing. I think this happens more when you get older, but you get more, I don't know, don't give a crap. on I don't know what it is. Uh, being emotional or crying. I get very emotional sometimes, and I'm not afraid to admit that I cry on occasion. Absolutely, you should. Cleanses the soul. Um, not answering the phone when I can't or I don't feel like it. I love this one. I went on a Facebook rant a long time ago before there was such a thing as live streaming, even. That's how long ago. And I said the same thing. We live in a culture now that when this bloody thing rings, you must answer it. You have to answer it. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. No, you don't. If you... It's not convenient for you to answer the phone. Or, you know what? Sometimes... I just don't feel like it. Don't answer the phone. And I'm not apologizing for it. I love that idea. Penny, you're leaving. Okay, bye. Oh, pop in other times when you're live. Keep up your good work, says Penny Martorell. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. It was so good to hear from you. Fantastic. Memories from Cornwall. <laughs> and Adrian is now following. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate it. Um, what else? Things I'm no longer apologizing for. Needing to take a break. You know, I'll tell you, I work with the most amazing people at Studio Voxel. Uh, I work with a, a great creative team, some fantastic, amazing artists and talents. And one of the things from the first day I started that uh, they made very clear to me is that when you need to take a break, take a break. In fact, you're encouraged to take a quick cat nap if you need to. Absolutely. Everyone's in favor of that, and the boss is not going to give you any crap for doing it. I work in a very cool company. Uh, let's see. Asking for clarity when I don't understand. How many people just nod and say, oh, yeah, okay, and they really don't understand? Uh, things I'm no longer apologizing for. Changing and becoming better. How other people behave. Not agreeing with someone. You know, agree to disagree. Um, putting myself first. I can't be anything to anyone if I'm nothing to myself. Brilliant. Not settling for less than I deserve. Also, these are... Copy this down. Screenshot this. Put it on your phone. Remember it. Uh, letting go when I need to. There's another one. And healing at my own pace. Those are brilliant. Those are absolutely brilliant. I love that. That's, in fact, why I had to share it with you. All right, two more quick things, and then we'll move on to, uh, to Peter Pan. Uh, this is a scary one. Remember, <laughs> the, uh, the thumbnail for tonight's show said, life is a conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that would get your attention. This got my attention. What started off as an online conspiracy theory has turned out to be surprisingly real. Listen to this. Read ahead if you want to. Pentag Pentagon scientists have unveiled a microchip implant which can detect a COVID-19 infection. The chip, which is equipped with a small antenna, this is next level crap here, is meant to act like a check engine light for you, catching asymptomatic cases of the disease. Scientists say they were inspired by the case of the SS Theodore Roosevelt, which was an aircraft carrier that became a breeding ground for COVID-19, uh, more than 1,200 staff becoming infected. But troops are less likely to embrace the government's new technology. Uh, recent reports revealed a third of American soldiers refused to get vaccinated with this little antenna-wielding thing. This is weird. 
Uh, recent reports revealed a third of uh, American soldiers refused to get vaccinated, citing fears of health implications or even secret microchip conspiracies. DARPA, the secretive agency behind the new implant, also developed a filter which, in conjunction with a dialysis machine, removes the virus from the patient's blood. This is really weird. Yeah. Misha says, oh, God, this reminds me of the vaccine special from South Park. Spoke too soon. If uh, this is frightening. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to consider the source, but it's not not that far away from the realm of possibilities. Seriously. The way things are going these days. Yeah. Weird. Okay, very strange. Sorry, one more story, and this is a great one. You're going to love this. It's really cool that this came up today because we talked a little about um, Facebook and tell some mean lies. Yeah. Um, we talked about the water in Cornwall where I grew up. Penny Martorell joined us on the stream. She's now in Massachusetts, but she grew up in my hometown in Cornwall, Connecticut. And uh, so did this amazing woman. This is Mrs. Herman. Uh, Zeke Herman, who's a dear friend, haven't seen him in probably 40 over 50 years. But Zeke posted this um, because it has been, it been four years since this wonderful, amazing woman made her journey to heaven, and we miss you still. This is Mrs. Herman. Who is Mrs. Herman? Mrs. Herman was an uh, amazing lady from Cornwall, and when I went to grammar school, let me explain for those of you, because I know a lot of folks are under the British system of education. In the U.S., we go to kindergarten and then grade first through eighth is grammar school. Then we graduate and we move on to high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and then some move on to college. <coughs> Excuse me. When I went to um, Cornwall Consolidated School in West Cornwall, this remarkable woman was the, I don't know exactly what her official job title was, but she was kind of the secretary to the principal of the school. And she basically ran things. <laughs> As you know, with most secretaries, they, they are who gets the job done. She was about four foot two. She was incredibly short. And she was just the sweetest, sweetest woman. Sadly, we lost her four years ago. Um, but the reason that I connect so much, not only was Mrs. Herman such an amazing woman, but she taught me how to use this. I found this today. I don't think you're going to be able to hear the sound. But this is an old, from the 60s, 1960-something. And this actually is a documentary, educational film, about the mimeograph machine and <laughs> the mimeograph machine is what nowadays you would call a a copy machine actually do we even use copy machines anymore so this is what well coming up in a minute here you can make copies of things you can make posters i don't think you can hear the sound i have it in my headphones uh, let me just dump this off here a little bit, drop it down. Um, used for teachers, things like that, notices, stuff like that. Do you want to make copies of? So you type it out once, then see, 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 see here? This is the mimeograph machine right here. There's a hand-operated one, which is like the one we had at Cornwall School. And then there's an electric one. So this is actually one of the original photocopy machines. So cool. But this, check this out. So you, let me just pause that, hold on. So you, you load this thing onto this drum after you've typed it out. 
and then it spins around or you spin it around and it pumps the paper out here and it makes copies of what you have. And everything was purple. I don't know why, but for some reason, however this system worked, it was, there you go, it was purple, the copies. Maybe the ink was always low, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is not quite old, old tech because there was versions of things like this previous, but in fact, they called it a mimeograph machine, not a copy machine. So this was the mimeograph. The Ditto Machine Mimeograph Spirit Duplicator Photocopier. The photocopier from the 1960s. How cool is that? <laughs> and this amazing woman, Mrs. Herman, is the one who taught me how to use it. And I would help her out in the office by making copies for her. So, <laughs> yeah, that was Mrs. Herman. We miss her dearly. Amazing. What a wonderful lady. All right. Using a hand-powered one could be cost-effective without using electricity. Um, you know what? Actually, I think it still did use electricity uh, because somehow heat was involved in this whole roller thingy. So if I'm not mistaken, it, it still had to be plugged in, but the actual mechanism was was a hand crank on the one we had. Maybe later they upgraded to the electric one that actually did it by itself. But yeah, that was in the 60s because I would say I likely started kindergarten in about 1963 or four, something like that. Yeah, that long ago, I'm that freaking old, okay? <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys, we got to move on to uh, Peter Pan because that's what we do around this place. Uh, at the end of every live stream, we make a few uh, begs and pleads, and then we read a chapter in a book. We started with The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We would moved on to The Velveteen Rabbit, and we are now uh, on chapter two of Peter Pan. These books come to us courtesy of the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org, if you'd like to check them out. A fantastic program and project. It's free. All the uh, books there, and there's hundreds of titles, are in the public domain. They are copyright free. Uh, and so, yeah. Woohoo story time. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, yeah, so we are doing a Peter Pan. The first chapter yesterday, uh, Saturday, was weird. Not exactly what I expected. <clears throat> anyway, meantime, please like, subscribe, share the stream wherever you are. We're well over 100 subscribers on twitch.tv. A uh, few hundred folks follow us on Facebook. Thank you for that. Be sure you follow and like. And uh, also YouTube. Subscribe over there. We've got 350 subscribers or something, which is, yeah, very cool. So by all means, please uh, give a like, a follow, and a share. But in the meantime, we're going to move on. And this is Chapter 2 of Peter and Wendy, otherwise known as Peter Pan. This chapter is called The Shadow. Mrs. Darling screamed, and, as if in answer to a bell, the door opened, and Nana entered, returned from her evening out. She growled and sprang at the boy who leapt lightly through the window. Again Mrs. Darling screamed, this time in distress for him, for she thought he was killed, and he ran down into the street to look for this little body, but it wasn't there. And then she looked up, and in the black night she could see nothing but what she thought was a shooting star. Well, she returned to the nursery and found Nana with something in her mouth, which proved to be the boy's shadow. As he leapt at the window, Nana had closed it quickly. Too late to catch him, but his shadow had not had time to get out. Slam went the window and snapped it off. Now, you may be sure Mrs. Darling examined his shadow very carefully, but it was quite the ordinary kind. 
Nana had no doubt of what was the best thing to do with this shadow. She hung it out at the window, meaning he is sure to come back for it. Let us put it where he can find it easily without disturbing the children. But unfortunately, Mrs. Darling could not leave it hanging out at the window. She looked so like the washing and it looked so like the washing and lowered the whole tone of the house. She thought of showing it to Mr. Darling, but he was totting up winter great coats for John Michael and a wet towel around his head to keep his brain clear. And it seemed a shame to trouble him. Besides, she knew exactly what he would say. It all comes of having a dog for a nurse. So she decided to roll the shadow up and put it away carefully in a drawer until a fitting opportunity came for telling her husband. Ah, me. The opportunity came a week later, on that never-to-be-forgotten Friday. Of course, it was a Friday. I ought to have been specially careful on a Friday, she used to say afterward to her husband while perhaps Nana was on the other side of her, holding her hand. No, no, Mr. Darling always said. I am responsible for it. I, George Darling, did it. Mia culpa, mia culpa. He had a classical education. They sat Thursday night after night, recalling that fatal Friday, till every detail of it was stamped on their brains, and came through on the other side, like the faces on a bad coinage. If only I had not accepted that invitation to dine at twenty-seven, Mrs. Darling said. If only I had not poured my medicine into Nana's bowl, said Mr. Darling. If only I had pretended to like the medicine, was what Nana's wet eyes said. My liking for parties, George, my fatal gift of humor, uh, humor, dearest. Uh, my touchiness about trifles, dear master and mistresses. Then one or more of them would break down altogether. Nana, at the thought, It's true, it's true. They ought not to have had a dog for a nurse. Many a time it was Mr. Darling who put the handkerchief to Nana's eyes. That fiend, Mr. Darling would cry and Nana's bark was the echo of it. But Mrs. Darling never upbraided Peter. There was something in the right-hand corner of her mouth that wanted her not to call Peter names. They would all sit there in the empty nursery, recalling fondly every smallest detail of that dreadful evening. It had begun so uneventfully, so precisely like a hundred other evenings, with Nana putting on the water for Michael's bath and carrying him to it on her back. I won't go to bed, he shouted, like one who still believed that he had the last word on the subject. I won't, I won't, Nana. It isn't six o'clock yet. Oh, dear, oh, dear, I shan't love you any more. Nana, I tell you, I won't be bathed. I won't, I won't. Then Mrs. Darling had come in, wearing her white evening gown. She had dressed early because Wendy loved to see her in her evening gown. With the necklace George had given her, she was wearing Wendy's bracelet on her arm, and she had asked for the loan of it. Wendy loved to lend her bracelet to her mother. She had found her two sisters playing at being herself and father on the occasion of Wendy's birth, and John was saying, I'm happy to inform you, Mrs. Darling, that you are now a mother, in just such a tone as Mr. Darling himself may have used on the real occasion. Wendy had danced with joy, just as the real Mrs. Darling must have done. Then John was born with the extra pomp that he conceived due to the birth of a male, and Michael came from his bath to ask to be born also. But John said brutally that they didn't want any more. Michael had nearly cried. 
nobody wants me, he said, and of course the lady in the evening dress could not stand that. I do, she said. I so want a third child. Boy or girl, asked Michael, not too hopefully. Boy, and then he leapt into her arms. Such a little thing for Mr. and Mrs. Darling and Nana to recall now, but not so little if that was to be Michael's last night in the nursery. They go on with their recollections. It was then that I rushed in like a tornado, wasn't it? Mr. Darling would say, scorning himself, and indeed he had been like a tornado. Perhaps there was some excuse for him. He, too, had been dressing for the party, and all had gone well with him until he came to his tie. It is an astounding thing to have to tell, but this man knew, though he knew about stocks and shares, had no real mastery of his tie. Sometimes the thing yielded to him without a contest, but there were occasions when it would have been better for the house if he had swallowed his pride and used a made-up tie. This was such an occasion. He came rushing into the nursery with the crumpled little brute of a tie in his hand. Why, what is the matter, father dear? Matter, he yelled. He really yelled. This tie will not tie! He became dangerously sarcastic. Not round my neck, round the bedpost. Oh, yes, twenty times I've made it up round the bedpost, but round my neck, no. Oh, dear, no. Begs to be excused. He thought Mrs. Darling was not sufficiently impressed, and he went on sternly. I warned you of this, mother, that unless this tie is round my neck, we don't go out to dinner tonight, and if I don't go out to dinner tonight, I will never go to the office again, and if I don't go to the office again, you and I and our children will starve. They'll be flung into the streets. Even then, Mrs. Darling was placid. Let me try, dear, she said, and indeed, that was what he had come to ask her to do and with her nice, cool hands, she tied his tie for him, while the children stood around to see their fate decided. Some men would have resented her being able to do it so easily, but Mr. Darling had far too fine a nature for that. He thanked her carelessly, at once forgot his rage, and in another moment was dancing around the room with Michael on his back. How wildly we romped, said Mrs. Darling now, recalling it. Our last romp, Mr. Darling groaned. Oh, George, do you remember what Michael suddenly said to me? How did you get to know me, mother? I remember. They were rather sweet, don't you think, George? And they were ours. And now they're gone. The romp had ended with the appearance of Nana, and most unluckily, Mr. Darling collided against her, covering his trouser with hairs. They were not only new trousers, but they were the first he had ever had with braids on them, and he had to bite his lip to prevent the tears coming. Of course, Mrs. Darling brushed him, and he began to talk again about his being a mistake to have a dog for a nurse. George... Nana is a treasure. Oh, no doubt, but I have an uneasy feeling at times that she looks upon the children as puppies. Oh, no, dear one, I feel sure she knows they have souls. I wonder, Mr. Darling said thoughtfully, I wonder. It was an opportunity, his wife felt, for telling him about the boy. At first he pooh-poohed the story, but... He became thoughtful when she showed him the shadow. It's nobody I know, he said, examining it carefully, but it does look like a scoundrel. We were still discussing it, you remember, Mr. Darling, when Nana came in with Michael's medicine. 
You will never carry the bottle in your mouth again, Nana, and it's all my fault. Strong man though he was, there's no doubt that he had behaved rather foolishly about the medicine. If he had a weakness, it was for thinking that all his life he had taken medicine boldly. And so now, when Michael dodged the spoon in Nana's mouth, she had said reprovingly, "'Be a man, Michael.' "'Won't! Won't!' Michael cried naughtily. Mrs. Darling left the room to get a chocolate for him. Mr. Darling thought this showed want of firmness. "'Mother, don't pamper him,' he called after her. "'Michael, when I was your age, I took medicine without a murmur,' I said. "'Thank you, kind parents, for giving me bottles to make me well.' "'He really thought this was true,' said Wendy, who was now in her nightgown, believed it also. And she said to encourage Michael, "'That medicine you sometimes take, Father, is much nastier, isn't it?' "'Oh, ever so much nastier,' Mr. Darling said bravely. "'And I would take it now as an example to you, Michael, "'if I hadn't lost the bottle.' He had not exactly lost it. He'd climbed in the dead of night to the top of the wardrobe and hidden it there. What he did not know was that the faithful Liza had found it and put it back out on his washstand. "'I know where it is, Father,' Wendy cried, always glad to be of service. "'I'll bring it to you.' And she was off before he could stop her. Immediately his spirit sank in the strangest way. "'John,' he said, stuttering, "'it's most beastly stuff.' It's that nasty, sticky, sweet kind. Mm, it'll soon be over, Father, John said cheerily, and then in rushed Wendy with the medicine in a glass. I've been as quick as I could, she panted. You've been wonderfully quick, her father retorted, with a vindictive politeness that was quite thrown upon her. Michael first, he said doggedly. "'Father first, said Michael, who was of a suspicious nature. "'I shall be sick, you know,' Mr. Darling said threateningly. "'Come on, father,' said John. "'Hold your tongue, John,' his father rapped out. "'Wendy was quite puzzled. "'I thought you took it quite easily, father.' "'Oh, that's not the point,' he retorted. "'The point is that there is more in my glass than in Michael's spoon.' His proud heart was nearly bursting. And it isn't fair. I would say that it were as though it's my last breath, and it isn't fair. Father, said Michael coldly, I'm waiting. It's all very well to say you're waiting. So am I waiting. Father is a cowardly custard. So are you a cowardly custard. I'm not frightened. Neither am I frightened. Well, then, take it. Well, then you take it. Wendy had a splendid idea. Why don't you both take it at the same time? Certainly, said Mr. Darling. Are you ready, Michael? Wendy gave the words one, two, three, and Michael took his medicine, but Mr. Darling slipped it behind his back. There was a yell of rage from Michael, and "'Oh, father!' Wendy exclaimed. "'What do you mean, oh, father?' Mr. Darling demanded. "'Stop that row, Michael. "'I meant to take mine, but I... Uh, I missed.' "'It was dreadful the way all three were looking at him, "'just as if they did not admire him. "'Look here, all of you,' he said entreatingly, "'as soon as Nana had gone into the bathroom. "'I have just thought of a splendid joke.' I shall pour my medicine into Nana's bowl, and she will drink it, thinking it's milk. It was the color of milk, but the children did not have their father's sense of humor, and they looked at him reproachfully as he poured the medicine into Nana's bowl. Oh, what fun, he said doubtedly, and they didn't dare expose him when Mrs. Darling and Nana returned. Uh, "'Nana, good dog,' he said, patting her. "'I put a little milk in your bowl, Nana.' Nana wagged her tail, ran to the medicine, and began lapping it up. 
Then she gave Mr. Darling such a look, not an angry look. She showed him the great red tear that makes us so sorry for noble dogs and crept into her kennel. Mr. Darling was frightfully ashamed of himself, but he would not give in. In a horrible silence, Mrs. Darling smelt the bowl. Oh, George, she said, it's your medicine. It was only a joke, he roared, while she comforted her boys and Wendy hugged Nana. Much good, he said bitterly, my wearing myself to the bone trying to be funny in this house. Still, Wendy hugged Nana. That's right, he shouted. Coddle her. Nobody coddles me. Oh, dear, no. I'm the only breadwinner. Why should I be coddled? Why, why, why? George, Mrs. Darling entreated him. Not so loud. The servants will hear you. Somehow they had gotten into the way of calling Liza the servants. Let them, he answered recklessly. Bring in the whole world, but I refuse to allow that dog to lord in my nursery for an hour longer. The children wept, and Nana ran to him beseechingly, but he waved her back. He felt he was a strong man again. In vain, in vain, he cried. The proper place for you is in the yard, and there you will go to be tied up this instant. George, George, Mrs. Darling whispered, remember what I told you about that boy? Alas, he would not listen. He was determined to show who was the master in the house. And when commands would not draw Nana from the kennel, he lured her out with honeyed words and seized her roughly, dragging her from the nursery. He was ashamed of himself, and yet he did it. It was all owing to his too affectionate nature, which craved for admiration. When he had tied her up in the backyard, the wretched father went and sat in the passage with his knuckles to his eyes. In the meantime, Mrs. Darling had put the children to bed in unwarranted silence and lit their nightlights. They could hear Nana barking, and John whimpered, it's because he's chaining her up in the yard. But Wendy was wiser. That is not Nana's unhappy bark, she said, little guessing what was about to happen. That is her bark when she smells danger. Danger? Are you sure, Wendy? Oh, yes. Mrs. Darling quivered and went to the window. It was securely fastened. She looked out, and the night was peppered with stars. They were crowding round the house as if curious to see what was to take place there. But she didn't notice this, nor that one or two of the smaller ones winked at her. Yet a nameless fear clutched at her heart and made her cry. Oh, how I wish that I wasn't going to a party tonight. Even Michael, already half asleep, knew that she was perturbed, and he asked, Can anything harm us after the nightlights are lit? Nothing precious, she said. They are the eyes a mother leaves behind to guard her children. Well, she went from bed to bed, singing enchantments over them, and little Michael flung his arms around her. Mother, he cried, I'm glad of you. They were the last words she was to hear from him for a long time. Number 27 was only a few yards distance, but there had been a slight fall of snow, and father and mother darling picked their way over it deftly, not to soil their shoes. They were already the only persons in the street, and all the stars were watching them. Stars are beautiful but they may not take an active part in anything. They must just look on forever. For it is a punishment put on them for something they did so long ago that no star now knows what it was. So the older ones have become glassy-eyed and seldom speak. Winking is the star language. But the little ones still wonder. They are not really friendly to Peter, 
who had a mischievous way of stealing up behind them and trying to blow them out. But they are so fond of fun that they were on his side tonight and anxious to get the grown-ups out of the way. So as soon as the door of number 27 closed on Mr. and Mrs. Darling, there was a commotion in the firmament, and the smallest of all the stars in the Milky Way screamed out, Now, Peter! And that's chapter two. <laughs> wow. Chapter three coming up next stream. It's called Come Away, Come Away. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Nice. Not uh, not written the way I expected. It's it's a bit awkward at times. It seems a bit scattered, but um, quite cool nevertheless. All right, guys. That was uh, that's Peter Pan, or the official title, Peter and Wendy. I don't know when it got changed to be just Peter Pan, but for some reason, everyone knows it as Peter Pan. Guys, uh, we are going to close on things out. Yeah, great chapter. It was kind of cool, actually. Excited for the next one? Me too. I can't wait. Uh, we will do that on Thursday night. We'll be back with a new live stream Thursday night. That'll be, what, episode 49? Oh, my God, we've done almost 50 of these bloody things. <laughs> wow. Thank you for joining, and thank you for subscribing, liking, sharing. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, taking part. It really does the old ticker good. Thanks to Penny tonight for... Uh, signing in. We hope to see you again sometime soon. And I saved the best news for last. So if you are still here, you get a sneak, well, not a sneak preview, but you get to hear it before anybody else. I'll make the big announcement at the beginning of Thursday's show, but thank you for staying with me the whole show, because I'm going to tell you that this coming Saturday, my brother Michael has agreed to come on the stream. Yes! So on Saturday... I like it, I love it, I want some more of it. You will finally get to meet the crazy Michael Sheldon, Jay's younger brother. And trust me, you don't want to miss this show. So that'll be coming up on Saturday night on our regular live stream. Jay Sheldon... I'm not wearing pants with his brother Michael who may or may not be wearing pants. I don't know. The man is a crazy man. So we will see uh, Michael on this Saturday. We've got one show in between on Thursday night, so be sure and join us for that. Fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Plays the guy screaming yes sound clip from the Eric Andre show. <laughs> all right cool guys thanks so much i will see you again on thursday night thank you for joining thank you for uh sharing liking subscribing they all mean a lot to me i am jay sheldon and i'm not wearing pants good night <laughs>